Imagine that if every time an auto company built a car, they had to create almost all the parts and assemblies in a completely custom way, without many standard or interchangeable parts. Not very efficient, but for a long time, this was how software design and development operated. And it's only within recent years that companies have started to invest in design systems. We happen to like Nathan Curtis's 10-second definition of a design system. It reads, a design system offers a library of visual style, components, and other concerns documented and released by an individual, team, or community as code and design tools so that adopting products can be more efficient and cohesive. In other words, design systems provide product designers and developers with reusable, interchangeable components that make the product design process more efficient and repeatable and are a critical part of scaling design at a growing company. As a design systems manager at GitHub, Diana Mounter is intimate with all the ins and outs of creating and rolling out design systems. In this episode, we speak with her about why businesses need design systems now more than ever, how to sell the idea of a design system to your team or company, and some tips and tricks for gaining adoption of a design system. Enjoy this episode with Diana, and thanks for listening. Diana Mounter, Design Systems Manager at GitHub, is a designer based in Brooklyn, New York. She specializes in design systems and has a background in user-centered design. Diana currently works at GitHub and leads their design systems team that maintains a design system called Primer. In her spare time, she organizes the New York City Design Systems Coalition and writes and speaks about design, code, and working with people. She's a co-author of the Design Systems Handbook, where she wrote about how to encourage adoption of your design system, publishing and distributing methods, and considerations for making your design system public versus private. Diana's Twitter handle is very interesting. It's Broccolini. <laughs> Diana Mounter, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. <laughs> so clearly you are, are all in on design systems, and we want to talk about that, uh, the, the details of that. But we've got to ask about the Twitter handle, and what's the origin <laughs> story of Broccolini? Uh, um I don't know how quickly I can tell it, but um, basically it's it's from when I was back in Australia and uh, broccolini wasn't such a famous vegetable at the time. And I thought it was a pretty pretty amusing and kind of uninventive for a vegetable name. And uh, long story short, that's how it ended up being my uh, Twitter handle and uh, my nickname, actually, uh, through a lot of friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, re- rewind. What the heck is broccolini? I don't even know what that is. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a type of uh, uh, vegetable. Um, I forgot. I should probably uh, know the name of the family, but it's the same family that broccoli is in, but it's a, a different uh, type. It's got longer stems. And, Cruciform uh, vegetables, I think, or something like that, isn't it? Like it's uh, a, it's broccoli. A, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a classier type of broccoli. <laughs> okay. You charge more for your restaurant. <laughs> a lot it's of people like do Italian think version. it's my <laughs> A lot of people think it's my name and and it's pretty funny because it does sound like a, a real name. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh so let's talk about design systems here. And I mean you're clearly this is what you think about every day, all day. Um <laughs> Your, your working hours, probably uh, all of your waking hours, you're thinking about design systems. 
How did you find your way into this space? Um, I think that really uh, started um, when I was at Etsy. Um, I think a few things had led to me being interested in this in this space. And um, to me, um, it's a way to deal with like I guess UX debt in a way. Um, I found like especially working on large scale applications um, where a lot of people have touched the design and touched the code. After a while, um, it kind of might lose its sort of holistic, consistent approach. And codifying that in a design system was a way for me, I guess, to tackle that. Um, and I found, because I found like a lot of projects, I would spend a large proportion of the project dealing with like existing problems before being able to get on to like, you know, a new feature or whatever the purpose of a, of a project was. Uh, and I think one of the roles that design systems plays is to is to like solve problems that can be solved and be solved once and, and share those, share the answers to that, I guess. And uh, instead of people sort of rehashing and relearning or reinventing the same thing. So we're curious on your perspective, um, why, why are design systems such a hot topic. They're they're so hot right now, like like Hansel and Zoolander. And and why do why do you think businesses need them now more than ever? Um, I mean, I think uh, we we do work in you know working in the design industry. We do like to sort of pick up on on hot topics or buzzwords for things sometimes, and uh, it kind of worries me a little bit with design systems because uh, you know to me it's there's a genuine need and and. I'll get into that in a second. Um, but uh, I worry that um, because it is such a hot topic, then people can't become desensitized to it or um, it gets misexplained or mispurposed and things like that. Um, so I, you know, I mean, that happens with a lot of things, I think, in our industry. Uh, so, I, so I worry about that a little bit. Um, I think the interesting thing is that design systems aren't, and exactly new. It's just like that terminology and what they've come to meant now is, is sort of been reinvented or, or repurposed a bit. So a lot of companies had um, like uh, standards manuals or, or style guides and things like that. But I think because of working in tech, we've, we've started to figure out how to codify that uh, in code as well as in design. And and then three companies like Salesforce um, and their Lightning Design System, um, I think that the term design systems became popular. So take us back to the end of 2013, uh, December. You joined Etsy as a product designer, uh, presumably not to come shape the design system, but to design Etsy as a product. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. The it just happened that um, the team I joined were kicking off quite a large redesign project. And and so as part of that, we uh, uh, built a new style guide. Mm. But yeah, I came to Etsy as a product designer um, and with the, with a goal, I was really, really interested in the sort of intersection of um, user research and, and, and using that, how that fitted into the product design um, workflow or the product development workflow, not just on the design side of things. Um, and then found myself working on the style guide with a, with a group of, 
um, designers um, on our team. And then I guess I got um, kind of more and more interested in that. And and um, I also, for me, had an interest in the, in the development side, the sort of building of the style guides as well and learning about new approaches to CSS, like object-oriented CSS and things like that. Uh, sparked my interest it was a new area for me to learn so I think that's that's also partly what drew me towards it and was there um did something happen uh where your team who you're working on this redesign I mean you could have just redesigned the site and and done it without a design system but was there something that was pressing where you felt like okay this is an insane amount of design debt uh you know, the product's not as performant as it could be. Any any sort of tipping point where you felt like uh, this is the right way to go? Yeah, I think the um, the trigger was partly that we we needed to make um, that part of the site responsive. So we were working on the seller tools, so what the um, sellers at Etsy used to manage their shop and, and orders and things like that. And um, a, a lot of uh, um, people like building things, they're in their workshop, perhaps maybe they're making jewelry or something. They, they use their phone to like check what's happening because it's easy and accessible. So they're not always sat like next to a laptop or a computer all day. And so um, making it responsive was, was important. And the current style guide wasn't really built with responsiveness in mind. So that was one of the the big triggers. Um, also, because it was a redesign, we had kind of we didn't have to deal with previous technical debt. We so we had kind of like green fields. We could we had we we could do something new. Um, and that I I mentioned it in the design systems handbook, but um, Dan Moore has a good um, sort of way to evaluate pilot projects, and in a way that became like our our pilot project because it it was a redesign and we could start fresh. Thank you, Dan Mall. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did did you have to convince anybody that a design system was the right way to go? Uh, was there anyone like outside of the design team who had to buy into the idea, or did you have enough autonomy where you could make that decision for yourselves and and press forward? Um, I mean. I feel like I was lucky in that I were, I didn't have to really ha have that discussion to convince people. Um, some of that had happened before I had started already, so it was it was like already um, agreed upon that. Yeah, it was an opportunity to refresh styles. Um, I think the the bigger challenge was in 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 adoption and, and sort of. Um, making sure we built something that um, could be used by other teams and then also uh, teaching them and, and uh, gaining traction with those other teams. I think it wasn't hard to say, hey, we needed to refresh um, our, our design. Um, so that there wasn't really, there wasn't really that kind of struggle. And we also weren't really calling it design systems at the time. We was just, uh, that that was a a little before um, they became so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more like, oh, we have a style guide. We need a, a a better. We need to iterate on this. We need a better version. Um, so it it wasn't too difficult to get 
buying at that stage, we were lucky. <laughs> so Diana, what, what I'm curious about, what are some of your, both your favorite tips and tricks for gaining adoption of design system? Because you're not only responsible for helping create the one at Etsy, but also when you moved over to GitHub, you were, you helped out with the formation of one there. So you've probably had to, you know, do a lot of convincing outside the design team uh, that it's an effective way to work. So what, what are some of your trip tips and tricks and also what are some of the, the pitfalls um, that for people should look out for when they're, when they're trying to get folks to adopt a system? Um, I think that it's been different for me at, um, at GitHub compared to Etsy. Uh, the thing that's consistent between both those um, experiences is it's really valuable to um, develop, like build a small set of like champions, I guess. So a small group of um, people that um, are are already perhaps like a bit already enthusiastic about this and, and excited for it and to work with them and, and help them really learn the ins and outs of how to use the design system so that they become, it's a bit like train the trainer so that they become the people that then advocate it for it elsewhere. Um, I think that's really important um, because it just sort of helps spread that through teams. Uh, the other thing that was uh, really important at, uh, Etsy was a really easy to use, low barrier prototyping environment. Um, so we 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 created that then. That acted as a place to learn um, the style guide and um, and to make it easy to to just focus on learning um, how the CSS worked and not worrying about the other parts of like production code. Uh, at GitHub, it's really been, and perhaps this is probably a my pro tip to people is just to attack it from all angles. So find as many opportunities to communicate that there is a design system, that there's people there that are willing to help you in how to use it. And that that goes really far because a lot of people will just be really excited that, oh, wow, there, there's a there's something that tells me how to put all this um, stuff on the front end together. There's something that tells me what type styles I should use for this situation versus that. Uh, so um at GitHub we've we've made sure that we communicate with teams in lots of different ways. So that could be um in code um via pull requests, that can be um via posting blog posts and on our internal kind of um uh, team blog. Um it can it even just by having um a Slack channel so that people can find people to talk to about this thing and learn from them directly. Uh, so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of different touch points really. And I think every organization is going to be slightly different in how they communicate and what really, um, sticks. Um, so you've got to kind of figure that out, but, uh, definitely, uh, attacking it from all angles so that people can't not know that there is a design system <laughs> and, uh, being, <laughs> you have to make time to help people as well. Um, it, it, it's something that, I guess I didn't know going into this is like how much time we'd be spent communicating with people is a really important part of it. I was just going to rewind for just a moment and um, get you to tell us the story of, so you moved from Etsy over to GitHub again as a product designer. And then what were the conditions at GitHub in, in 2016 that made it clear it was time to invest in design systems? Was that something that was evident when you, when you were brought on or did it kind of evolve as, so you started your job there? 
Um, right from when I was interviewing um, at GitHub, we talked about design systems as being like an important um, pillar of design. And so I, I, that was really important to me is at the time I was like not necessarily looking to work directly on design systems, though I was really interested in it. What was more important to me is that a company had a design system and um, valued it as part of the, uh, the design organization, I guess. And so I started as a product designer, but didn't stay in that role for very long. Um, as when I got there, I started to dig around um, in in Primer, which was um, which is our design system. And I saw a lot of um, problems that I had seen, I guess, at Etsy. Uh, it wasn't very quick. It wasn't very easy for me to quickly build out designs um, with the existing system. And there was a lot of things that weren't documented. So I just naturally just started um, talking to other designers who I knew, who I'd found or been told had an interest in improving the state of our style guide and um, and then bringing this to the design leads. And I suggested, hey, why don't we just start meeting you know, we can start chipping away at this stuff in our in our spare time. And um, it quickly became uh, a lot more than a side project. And um, and and I was then able to move on to it full time. Um, but it was it really came about, I think, because of a mix of things. Um, one, it was like a, a bit of a painful process um, implementing design Um uh, there were because of the fact that lots of things were missing um, from our design system. Um, two, we had um, a couple of new designers start, which I think is always good. You got fresh insights, right? Um, and they're not bogged down by the why we haven't done that thing in the past kind of situation. Um, and we had a we had several people who were um, trying to solve problems for the design system from different um, angles. So we had some marketing designers trying to to pull out bits that worked for their marketing sites that they didn't that weren't um, working they didn't need in like the product. So having a bunch of enthusiastic people and um, things getting to kind of a tipping point in like this is painful to work with um, helped sort of uh, let us have a full time team I guess. But it started off very grassroots. How does a design system change a company like GitHub? I mean, there, there was a design system before, maybe not as uh, refined as it is today, um, and maybe not as utilized as it is today. But, you know, GitHub, a company that clearly has a strong understanding of engineering and, and, and also a good reputation for design, but uh, you, you introduce this new, um, more robust design system how does it change the velocity of the work that you guys can do, the culture, the way that you think about work? I think one of the big impacts is being people being able to get further without um, design help. So for an engineer, they can um, get pretty far in building out uh, a prototype or a, a first pass at a new feature uh, without without design help. Um, so that that's one of like, the big benefits, I think, of having a design system. It doesn't mean you don't need a designer. It's just that um, they'll be able to 
maybe get further than they than they um, previously could without you. So that's been one of the the impacts. Um, the other thing, which was one of our big goals, was the time it takes to flesh out a design and implement it. So that that sort of design to development workflow, we we tried to build our system in a way that made it uh, easy to sort of quickly uh, try different changes, try different layouts and things with. Um, we we made it something that um, was quick to internalize and by the by following simple things like class naming conventions, so that people remember mem- start to memorize them and, instead of having to look up every single thing that they want to do. Um, also, not having to write um, so much CSS because the styles exist already. So so we kind of reduced that the time it spent to write mark up and implement those designs i still think we can go a lot lot further with that but that's that's definitely been um one of our goals and one of the the ways that it it changed the design to development process um you you asked you mentioned something else there you said how it changed how how we design is that what you said yeah i'm just curious if you know having a design system if it has a cultural impact you know it definitely it, it makes things faster, reduces debt, you know, improves performance. But once you have a really great design system, like how does it change the way I don't know the head of engineering thinks or uh, uh, other people in the organization? Does it influence the way they think about design? That's a big question, and I can only say what I think and not necessarily what they think. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's gotten everyone sort of thinking, hey, we need to all all work um, towards like a certain standard. Um, We need to um, make sure we're um, designing with the same language, right? So I think in that way, it's changed, um, influenced the culture um, at GitHub. I think having permanent people, like full-time people working on design systems has has been one of the biggest impacts. People are really um, excited that we take it se- that seriously, that we'll dedicate full-time people to it. So I think that definitely leaves an impression on the rest of the company that our design department really care about this, that they'll so much they'll dedicate like full-time people to this. Um, and I think it, uh, GitHub's... Uh, Appreciate it from an engineering standpoint because we yeah we've got a, a huge engineering org um, and they understand the benefits from um, not repeating code or of having consistency having code style rules things like that um, so I think it it's it's sort of fairly easy for them to get why oh this makes sense um, and I think uh, for some people it's it's um, it's really helped um, demystify some of the side of things of working on front end where they struggled before. They're like, oh, it's so great. I can go to this um, this style guide documentation and it tells me how to do it. And one, one of our engineers even said, um, I feel like I'm kind of cheating and I almost don't want to tell everyone that this exists because <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think we've still – I think it's still – creeping up into the sort of um, upper management and upper leadership. But um, I know that um, 
from a product design perspective, it's really important for them to have a team like making sure that this is easy for everybody to work with. So, yeah, it's it's really nice to hear people in in director roles and things like that being like, we need to invest in design systems. And um, mm-hmm. that that's great. Support for Design Better comes from our friends at CrashPlan. Visit CrashPlan.com slash DesignBetter for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. From my daughter's first birthday to my son's first soccer game, if you're like me, you have thousands of precious family photos that only exist in digital form. That's why I've been using CrashPlan for a decade and a half now to back up all my important files. CrashPlan works efficiently in the background while you work, encrypting and sending all your new or changed files up to their secure cloud server every 15 minutes. And they make it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can also be your ultimate rewind button. Businesses of all sizes benefit from CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities. Buy as many user licenses as you need and easily manage them all under one account. Go to CrashPlan.com slash DesignBetter for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash DesignBetter, all one word, for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Support for Design Better comes from Uplift Desk, creators of office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. It's been estimated that the average person will spend one-third of their life at work. Sobering, huh? That's roughly 90,000 hours at work over your lifetime. Imagine what happens to your body if you're working with bad posture and poor circulation. It can be devastating on your health. That's why Eli and I love Uplift Desk and their ergonomic desks and chairs. Uplift Desk makes solid, well-constructed standing desks that you can customize to match your workspace. And they have a wide variety of incredibly ergonomic chairs. My personal favorite is the Human Scale Freedom Chair. I'm sitting in it right now. For professionals like us, investing in the right tools, especially our desk and chair, is essential. You're going to get free shipping, free returns with free return shipping, and an industry-leading 15-year warranty that covers the complete desk. Eli and I love their products, and we know that you will too. Give it a try. Go to upliftdesk.com and use code DESIGNBETTER5 for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk.com to get 5% off your entire order with promo code DESIGNBETTER5. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When we spoke with Seth Godin on Design Better, he said something very interesting. Everyone's got a noise in their head. You, me, your boss, everyone. That noise in our head is self-doubt, confusion, fear, anxiety, all of that. It's part of the human experience, and it can hold us back. Therapy is one of the best ways to work through it all, to quiet the unproductive noise and develop positive mental health. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and to work with your schedule. BetterHelp can help you get the support that you need. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DesignBetter today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DesignBetter. Diana, the... uh... The design system at GitHub is open source. And why, why is that important? Does that also tie into the culture there? Or what are some of the reasons you made that decision? Yeah, it's been it's been open sourced for a while. Um, 
when I got here, we we kind of took parts of it back in house and rejigged it and reorganized it and made a mess and put it back together again and then open sourced it again. Um, but uh, really, it's uh, GitHub is you know it's about open source, right? And so it it is part of our culture and our values that like if something can be shared um, so that it might help other people, then then we'll share it. Um, so that that there's that's one reason it's it's just part of of how GitHub likes to work. The other reason um, is that I think there are some benefits from treating it like an open source project. Uh, so pulling having it not be embedded in in GitHub.com's code is helpful for us because uh, it um, puts an intentional barrier there to making changes. Like when it was living inside. Um, in, in our monorepo, like anyone could change it, which, and, and if it was people who didn't really realize that actually changing this one thing here affects things everywhere, um, then that could cause problems. Uh, so we, while we want people to find it easy to contribute, we want a little kind of barrier there, which is really about just sort of thinking about the impact of those changes. The other reason for us is that um, GitHub.com is not the only website that uses our design system. We have um, a lot of other satellite sites, and we're actually working to pull more parts of the application um, into separate um, repositories so that it's a little easier to work with. And so we have to distribute this same design system to, to multiple different places. And so we could have done that without making it open source, but it's it's kind of like, well, why not? Um, the other benefit from having it open source is, of course, that other people, um, members of the public or whatever, might come across it and be like, hey, I, I know how to fix this thing, or I I think this will be better if I if if we do it this way. And so other people can contribute. So that's another great reason to have it um, be open sourced. I think. And it's just a quick follow-up to that. What are some of the things companies should consider if they're trying to make that decision around open source versus a private system? Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that uh, some companies, that might not be the best thing for them. And um, I think there's different um, levels to open open sourcing. I think, uh, and or maybe I should frame that as there's different ways to make it make your system public versus private. So we open sourced ours, but we could have just say, um, we could have like made um, just the documentation public and not the code, or um, we could have just uh, linked to a zip download link or something, but we distribute everything via NPM. Uh, we also, uh, a lot of companies are uh, using things like Storybook, which just display the components, so you're not really giving the documentation. Maybe you're not even showing the code, but you're saying here, here's the things we've decided to codify as components, um, which is just maybe an interesting reference point for other companies. So I think uh, thinking of public versus private should be thought of as a scale, not just like black or white. And choosing what what combination works for you, I think, is, um, yeah, that's what you've got to do, like what's what's right for you. Um, I think there is an overhead with open sourcing. You 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 may get um, an influx of requests and uh, issues posted. Um, we we really don't find that we we have you know quite a lot of stars and and people um, using it externally, but we don't find the volume of um, 
issues or pull requests so much that it, it causes a problem. There, there isn't that many. Um, some companies worry that um, people can too easily uh, copy their styles. I know that was a concern for uh, Mina Markham, who worked on pantsuit um, for Hillary Clinton's campaign. And she she talked about she's done a few talks on that. And um, they had people making kind of, I guess, fake replica sites and, and giving them the design system would have made that, um, giving them the code for it would have made it just that much easier. Um, we GitHub has had um, kind of copycats a little in, in the past or people like copying those styles, but uh, it's, it's not, it's not the same level of, of uh, seriousness for us. It's, it's, it's something that they could do if they inspected and checked um, what CSS we were using mm-hmm. anyway. So we, we decided that that wasn't um, a big enough problem to make public. But yeah, that could be a, a genuine concern for other people. For our listeners who are, you know, maybe at that tipping point where, you know, the they're, they're the, the designer championing the idea of a design system and they're trying to get buy-in um, and, uh how do they how do they go about doing that? How do they get buy-in for what's the best way to make the case for we need to invest in a design system? I think it's about showing what problems it solves. And and each company might have a slight different type of thing that's a really big problem for them. Um at GitHub it was the time it took to implement designs. It could be a slightly different problem at other companies. And so I think talking about why um, you need this thing and what problem it's solving and in the context of your company is the best way to go about it. I think if you go, hey, everyone's got design systems um, and talk about the general things that people that work on design systems know, which is like, oh, it like codifies your language and it can design language in a consistent way and creates one source of truth. Those are all important too, but I think kind of tapping into like um, a real problem, real everyday problem at your company is going to make it more real for the people that work there and um, and give them uh, a sort of practical scenario that they know that this thing will solve. Um, so I, to me, that's like, I think that's a, a, the best way to go about it. Um, it's, it's difficult though. Um, it, I think this is a, a a question that comes up a lot and I'm sure um, over the years as an industry we'll come up with better solutions to this and I also think that just by the fact that design systems are being talked about now is helping. Um, I think it becoming sort of the norm is, is helping companies accept that this is something that they should have. So I, I, things like this podcast in the design systems book and Um, People open sourcing design systems or just helps um, someone in a company somewhere go, hey, look, this company is doing it. This company is doing it. This company that's just kind of a similar size to us or doing a similar thing to us is doing it. Um, So I think that helps too. And if if and when people get buy-in, how should it be staffed? Because that that seems to be a key thing as well, like how – uh, a design system is staffed. You talked about arriving at GitHub and um, kind of stepping your way into a full-time role, but is a, is a full-time team needed for a design system? It depends on the size of 
your company really and what stage you're at and the size of your design team. But I think it's if you don't have dedicated full-time people working on it, um, it's really hard for people to do it part-time because the timelines for design systems work are often really very different to like feature development. Um, because when you're working on design systems, you're kind of looking, you're taking the, the, the zoomed out view, taking a holistic approach. You're, you're thinking, how does this component work everywhere? Or how, how does our color system work everywhere? Whereas when you're working on, on a feature, you're kind of more zoomed into to that thing. Um, not saying you shouldn't also be like, how does this fit into the, into this world? But, um, I think it, it means different timelines and it, it's very hard to sort of do the deep work, um, take time, um, to really explore the right answer, um, when you're trying to also work on, on feature development. So, um, that, that will often mean that design systems work gets kind of deprioritized. And, and sort of, um, push to the, to the bottom of the priority pile because it doesn't have like that kind of like, we need to ship this by then type, um, thing. So yeah, I just, I, I found myself in that position a couple of times and it, it's not really very good for the development of the design system or for, or for people's, uh, happiness, I guess as well, because it's kind of stressful to switch between, try and switch between the two. So um, and earlier you mentioned some resources that are helping gain more awareness around design systems. Are there any other books or, or blogs that you've followed over the years or read that, that have been helpful as you've kind of honed your skills? Recently, and this might be going more into research and some of the technical side, but I really like um, Programming uh, Design Systems by Rune Madsen. Um, it's a... Uh, it's a really nice, it's an in-progress kind of book and it's a, a, a deep dive into lots of different areas of, of design systems and he adds new uh, kind of sections and chapters every now and then. So I really like that. Um, but it's definitely sort of looking at um, the what can you program, I guess, but with the sort of research behind it. Um, I really read a lot of the, of the colour uh, section because that's something that I've been particularly interested in recently. Um, so I definitely would uh, recommend that. Um, and the, the good thing is that it's, it keeps getting new additions every now and then. Um, some other things. Uh, recently, Gina Ann uh, started a design systems publication on Medium. And so there's um, been some nice books uh or articles, sorry, added there. So that's another one to follow. I really like, in terms of like physical books, I really like, uh, I think this is a, a thing that many people working in design systems do is collecting the old graphic standards manuals. Admittedly, I don't necessarily read them cover to cover, but they're beautiful pieces of work and um, sometimes really great like sources um, of inspiration. Um, but some of them go into uh, really, uh, really deep details. I'm trying to remember that one I've got on my bookshelf right now, which is the uh, Grid Systems book. So there's like, yeah, some really nice, um, beautiful books, but also they have, you know, like I said earlier, design systems, not new. 
Um, and so it's good to sort of look at the what's happened in the past. Um, obviously, people should read the Design Systems Handbook, which I helped write. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to think of like a lot of other blogs and books and things after this and, and uh, be like, oh, I should have said that one. But um, That's okay. We can always add it. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a little summary and we can throw some links in there if you think of some more. Yeah, I probably, I probably could. I should also plug, um, I should also plug the Design Systems Coalition that, um, I, I do a chapter of in New York, but, uh, that Gina Ann started in, in San Francisco. Um, we record, um, most of us. So it's not an article or a book, but it's a, sometimes a good source of information, um, watching, uh, the video or, or looking through the slides. 